In this bonus material, we hear from Hannah Palamara. Hannah is a birth doula, photographer and videographer. Hannah had a home VBAC after two emergency caesareans. We discuss how she approached preparing for the birth of her third baby and go into detail about the importance of mental preparation for VBAC birth. What I want to focus on is I got asked what I thought the number one thing for people kind of preparing for a VBAC, what was the number one thing I wanted them to know? Mm. And so I was thinking about it. I was like, well, what is it? Is it to do with like continuity? Is it about having a doula? And then I actually realized that the number one thing, in my opinion, is um, fear and, and that kind of overcoming fear or kind of accepting that fear is natural and it's it's always going to kind of be there because that's your body's way of trying to keep you safe but but doing the work to kind of acknowledge okay that's fear um it's not going to be the thing that is driving me and helping me you know make decisions and make plans and mm-hmm. you you know just making that distinction a bit similar to what you're saying about hearing negative voices in your head um fear is is a negative voice really it's a type of negative voice so um and you said that kind of part of your spiritual journey was the work that you did in having your children and I know that um when Frankie was born he was your v-back after two cesareans and you'd said to me in the past that actually what you did to kind of prepare for that was a lot more mental preparation um and so and I think when people start thinking about having a baby even just having a baby forget that it's a v-back but for those people who are you know having to overcome yeah you know having a birth experience go wrong or not the way that they wanted um I think that mental work can sometimes be there's an extra step in the process um so like what did that look like for you to to prepare for for childbirth mentally and knowing that it was um yeah a v-back birth that's what I'd like love to hear from you (laughs) yeah and because it's really interesting because it's also how I've gone on to work with my clients um that I work with who are going for a v-back or have experienced previous trauma whether that's in life or in in birth um, and I really think, like you said, fear is is the number one thing. And then it's kind of, for me when I tr- I'll talk about my experience first, and then maybe how I work with clients. But for me, with uh, my third pregnancy, having had two emergency cesareans, um, initially I thought that I had to have another cesarean because that's what I'd been told. I'd also been told and lied to that my pelvis was too small, you know, my vaginal arch was too narrow, all of those things. Um, so I had those things, those um, those things ingrained in me, you know, from my previous experiences. But then there was this little voice in my head that just was like, you know, you can do it kind of thing. So I started listening to that voice in my early pregnancy of my third. And it was, it was a battle because my husband, Frankie, he was... Um, very fearful because of the last experience with Cecilia and um, because of what we've been told as well, which he believed as well. Um, so it kind of was almost like this battle with him as well um, during the pregnancy, as well as 
with myself and medical professionals. And so I, what I did was I started researching because I was just like, oh, I really want to try and do this. For me as a woman, having been through previous trauma in my life, um, I really just felt like I needed to have a vaginal birth for my, for me, I needed it as a, as a place of healing. Um, I just, I just knew that I needed it. And so I started researching online. I looked, and this was um, seven years ago now. So I joined VBAC groups on Facebook. I started looking up, you know, stories. I started talking to people and just doing so much research. You know, I read all the nice guidelines. I spoke to private um, obstetricians. Um, I spoke, to, you know, I spoke to so many people. And what I started seeing was that actually, People are having vaginal births after cesareans. You know all this. I'm literally preaching to the choir here. I know that. No, no, no. It's good. Keep going. That's what I started seeing. And so I I went through this process of investigation. And then I started reading all of these positive stories. And that started to make me think, do you know what? Maybe I can actually do this. Um, And then I started reading research and actually seeing the reality of, you know, going for a third cesarean and what that actually looked like realistically and the risks. And then that was kind of a a real wake up call for me when I started to look at statistics as well. Um, So then once I decided that actually I wanted to have a VBAC, uh, go for a VBAC again, um, I went to, um, you know, my, the NHS, staff and and I told them you know the way that I wanted to do it and they weren't supportive and I went to see a private obstetrician for a scan uh, at some point and he you know he told me more things more lies that weren't true and then what I realized is okay from now on I need to just trust my intuition and I only want to read positive stories I'm not going to read any negative stories and I'm not going to allow people to tell me negative things because I am a super smart woman I know the risks and I know the benefits and you know I'm making this decision for myself so Mm -hmm. I started doing that Um, and then I also had before I got pregnant with Frankie I had very much been debriefing my previous two births and I feel like one of the fundamental things for me having a VBAC with my third child was uh, going through a process of debriefing my previous two births and um, healing those wounds because I had huge trauma from the first one which was a crash section under general and then the second one was um, not necessarily an emergency it was kind of a calm sort of emergency cesarean where I was awake that time and stuff but for me I felt like a failure after 18 hours of labor and I felt removed from the situation so for me it was traumatic in that sense Um, so I worked with John my my spiritual therapist on debriefing those I did simple things like I wrote out both of those both birth stories um, on paper by hand Um, and I did some um, I did some birth art as well, which was really instinctual and wasn't planned at all. So mm. I did some creative work where I drew, um, I drew myself um, and I wrote, you know, some poems and did a lot of creative expression of the trauma and of the of the experiences. Um, and then I did some some fear release exercises where um, I wrote down my fears on you know pieces of paper and would burn them yeah. and I mean it sounds really kind of basic and quite simple but it was really quite um, 
life-changing yeah. and just like and I've done it with many clients since the you know the writing down the fears on a piece of paper and then burning them and it's amazing how mm. you'll see like a big fear for, for for them and it won't light and then it takes ages to burn and <sighs> like it's it's just unbelievable and then even with clients that I wouldn't say were necessarily very open spiritually I've done this work with them and just done some simple steps and seen them, you know, have a huge emotional response to, to some of the things um, or not had much of a response, but then after the birth come back to me and said, that was, you know, that was really life-changing for me to do, to go through that experience. Mm. Um, so I really feel like one of the most important things is to work through previous trauma before going into that birth if possible, mm. but at the same time, every woman is different and some women are more open than others so it doesn't look the same for each woman mm -hmm. so for some women working through their tra previous trauma or difficulties is literally as simple as sitting with them and speaking with them at your antenatals and mm -hmm. listening just listening and not giving you know not trying to solve it for them not trying to give them tips but just being there to listen yeah. um for some women it's doing more active processes like birth art um writing fear release and it's much more active um so it really and i think as a doula and as a person you get a sense of you know you know what your clients are like and how they might react to these things from the beginning and then it's kind of i kind of plan you know the process around how they make it feel comfortable as well mm. um and then the next thing that i did was um which I've touched on is to bring in positivity. So uh, birth affirmations, just mm. huge. And if I'd known enough about it back then, I would have 100% done um, a full hypnobirthing course um, because most, I was at 80% or more of my doula clients are hypnobirthers now. Mm -hmm. And um, KG, especially, I know really well. I know a lot of people that teach KG, Cats, Catherine Graves, um, but, um, I did do some form of hypnobirthing. Um, I did the gentle birth method um, in my last few pregnancies. So I did do um, some hypnobirthing techniques as mm. well, which included some fear release and visualizations. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just it's, I think the more that I did those things and the more um, work I did on releasing and building positivity, the more I believed I could do it. Mm. And until I got to the point where then I, I actually really felt excited for my birth. Yeah. I really felt like I, do you know what? Yes, I can, I could actually do this, yeah. you know? And I feel like that's so powerful. And I'm sure you find it with your doula clients, mm -hmm. like using positive um, affirmations, positive words, noises, sounds, can be so changing within yeah. a, the birth space. Yeah. So just sometimes clients will be saying, I can't, I can't, and not gently, just gently coaxing them to change it to I can, mm. even if they don't believe that they can, yeah. it has yeah. a physiological effect yeah, on the does. space and yeah. on what's happening. And that's it's something that can be so simple as well. And so mm but it has such a huge change yeah and that's funny like I, that is something that I was doing like in my labor um sort of saying to myself okay come on like you can do this you can do this um and I think it really caught me by surprise how um even though I felt as though I had done so much work to prepare for my VBAC and to try to get myself in a really positive mindset 
how easily and quickly those doubts were kind of sitting there just waiting to hop in and say here we are you can't do this you're you know you're crazy for thinking that you could have a a v-back during my labor when I then started having all of these doubts I um yeah it did take me by surprise and I was actually quite willing to to give up uh, during my I was willing to say okay let's quit now um and if it wasn't for the team that I sort of built up around me um I know that it wouldn't have ended the way that it did um so I don't know maybe because you you spent quite a lot of time deciding on having a specific team of people around you for your um VBAC Mm. how did you kind of make that decision um so the decision was really made for me when I went to one of my NHS appointments and, you know, I listed the, the things that I wanted for my birth and they almost laughed in my face, the consultant. Um, you know, I said, well, I'm not having constant monitoring. I won't be induced. Um, uh, I'm not having vaginal examinations, you know, and I'd, I had all the research and, you know, all the reasons why I wasn't going to have those things. And she just sort of almost laughed in my face and said, well, you know, it will depend on the consultant that's on duty that day because they may decide, you know, that, you know, they're not happy with you declining those things. And basically said that they could make my life really difficult and they could interrupt my birth and try and force interventions on me and so I went home after that appointment and was like okay I'm having a home birth (laughs) and now I'm going to look for an independent midwife so then I started looking for a private midwife and um and thank god I found them and I found Kemi Johnson and Mm -hmm. Laura LaRoche and uh they were obviously just the most perfect people for me mm-hmm. and as soon as I was 32 weeks by this point as well and as soon as I found them I all the fear dissipated yeah. it disappeared yeah. you know because the main fears were about the external yeah, yeah? I pretty yeah. much believed that I could do it by this point yeah um, but like many women in maternity and giving birth whether you're a VBAC or not um it's the external that causes the issues a lot of the time. And if you're not fully educated, if you can't advocate for yourself, if you don't have a doula or a team advocating with you and for you, it's so easy to get on that train mm. and then end up with a difficult experience, which is what mm. happened with my first two babies. Mm. So um, having independent midwives was life-changing. And I do wish that I'd had a doula as well because um, I, Frankie's birth was really quick, but that was after six weeks of stop-start labor. Um, so I had like this really slow build up, which as you probably know, is really can be quite common for VBACs. Yeah. And he was in a long, he was in a, in a fun position as well. He was, he was asynclitic and I think he was kind of settled into my pelvis at Insulator in that position as well. So that probably maybe had something to do with it too. But his um, actual delivery was like, was only four hours from start to finish. It was really fast and furious. And at the time before the midwives got there, I, I, Frankie was there, my husband supporting me and he was great, but I, I didn't want him. I wanted women. Yeah. So <laughs> I called down my nanny who at the time was living with us, my Indonesian nanny, Aini. And she, I literally was like, don't touch me to my husband. And she came down and started massaging me. Aww. And I, I needed female energy at that point. I just mm-hmm. did like, intuitively. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
yeah it was it was the team that I had and the people that I had around me were just it was so important and I did you know I pushed for two hours and 20 minutes with Frankie and I'm pretty sure had I been in hospital I would have been being bullied into having a um instrumental delivery yeah one hour in one hour in because I had two previous cesareans and yeah. all it took was um number one changing position from knees to squatting and number two a realization that you know the my midwife said that they are going to have to call in soon because I'd been pushing for a while and it was just like okay this is happening now so I just went for it after that and he was asynclitic which mm-hmm. meant you know I did have to push really really hard mm. so. yeah yeah I think yeah it's the position of the baby can yeah <laughs> it can be really tricky and I know like you and I have talked about that a lot because Athena my first um baby she was asynclitic and she I mean that was kind of for me that was the reason they gave me for my cesarean um and that was why I had failure to progress um so yeah I was then obsessed about like positioning and stuff you do to become a slight obsession but yeah I think you've yeah you've summarized it perfectly there's there's like these two main groups of of fears there's the the internal work which you know I think people probably underestimate and then there's the external fear so I think with those two things you know if you're aware of that and you do the work to get create the team that you know um are going to support you and really be your advocates and they're your cheerleaders they're on your side they have no ulterior agenda because they're having to follow xyz policy and they're not covering their asses um and then you've put in the time to do that kind of mental work as well then you really are putting yourself in the the best position possible to have a, a positive experience and you know no matter actually how it ends you will have known that you were supported and you were loved and you kind of did everything you can because I think it there's a a a trap that you can fall into with VBAC when you can like over research all of the like nitty-gritty about all of the risks and you can read endless papers which I do think reading is very important and looking at some of the kind of big pieces of research you can learn a lot of really useful information particularly you can unpick hospital policy and say like okay well the research says this and you know why why is that but I think that's it if you just know kind of in your in your heart and your soul like what is it that you really want and then once you've decided what it is you really want then you can build the team that supports that um so yeah yeah. I think there does need there does become a point I think where women need to that it's time to stop like researching and doing all of that and that was that happened for me as well in my last pregnancy they got to a point where it's like okay now it's time to just focus on the positives and preparing Mm -hmm. you know for that incredible birth and stop the 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 research part Mm -hmm. but you know I just think anybody giving birth um I think it would be amazing if we didn't have to put a lot of work and preparation in but but we do like with anything and just because of the way that our system is um and just because the way that we are I think it's really important to put preparation into Mm. into planning your birth yeah definitely because I think yeah um the system obviously is kind of set up to to trip you over like it's not the way that the maternity system is designed is not really um congruous with having a kind of physiological undisturbed birth and also I think we as a society women we don't naturally have this belief in ourselves um you know because 
we're made to feel unworthy or that we're not capable or you know doubting all the time we're doubting 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 so it really you know is quite a act of rebellion to say no I believe in myself and I can do this and yeah. um, so strength well done to all of all of those people that are willing to yeah. say no I deserve better and I know what I want and I'm going to put the work in to try and get it and then you and then you surrender to the outcome because you know okay I've done everything now like I can't I couldn't do any more and so what will be will be yeah yeah and having that and then having that acceptance and surrender which is a whole other thing in itself <laughs> <laughs> thank you Hannah I have literally chewed your ear off for hours and awesome. hours I love it I love you and I, um, you so much. I really hope that we can see each other soon I'm hopefully coming to London in December so maybe we can oh, see amazing. you that'll be so great and give everybody my love yeah thank you Hannah I love you yeah, lots I love you too talk to uh, you soon yeah okay I can't wait to see yes I will I will <laughs> love you let's love, love. Bye. bye now I hope you found that conversation helpful if you have any other questions related to VBAC birth please reach out to me on Instagram at the balance doula or you can send me an email at the balance doula at gmail.com and if you want to find Hannah you can find her on Instagram at Hannah Palamara honestly you thanks <laughs>